Welcome into Scout Team Sports. I am your host, Devalian, and what a crazy, yes, crazy weekend that we had this past weekend in the NFL. Um, pretty much uh, the only thing that any talking head, any media head, got right about this past weekend is the fact that anything can happen in the NFL. And that's one of those universal things about the NFL, about us as human beings. We can't predict. We don't know what's going to happen. We try to predict what's going to happen. And a lot of people make money off of that and make their jobs and their careers off of that. But, you know, this past weekend goes to show you that, uh, yeah, we can't predict what other humans are going to do all the time because every now and then they have the ability to surprise us and <laughs> talking about like they're like well, I'm not human <laughs> it's 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 one of those things where it's like it's it's them over there <laughs> well what is going on uh we don't know what we're talking about and I mean everybody nobody could have predicted this type of weekend sure there you know every now and then there's going to be an upset uh, you know, once, you know, one big upset, you know, in a, any particular week in the NFL or weekend in the NFL, but about five of them, like, no, like, really? Like, no, no, not all in, not all in the same weekend. Are you kidding me? Uh, and that's exactly what happened this past weekend in the league. Um, we'll get started with one that I was right about though. Um, and unfortunately, I did not like being right about this one because I do like Lamar Jackson. As a quarterback, I like Lamar. Um, you know, I think he has the right attitude and everything. Um, but as far as the gameplay, you know, uh, you know, and media heads are starting to talk about this in particular is, you know, when he's against the weaker teams, yeah, he's spectacular. He's shredding them. He's killing them on the, on, in the air and on the ground. He is just dominant. But when he starts to face the really good teams, teams that you know that he's going to see in the playoffs, um, and providing that the Ravens make it there, which they should, because they are at least in the top seven teams in the league. Um, he's not looking that good. And, um, you would think, okay, well, the Ravens lost to the Steelers 28-24, to so it was a competitive game. Just think if Lamar had not made the mistakes that he made, the Ravens would have won this game, and they would have taken down the undefeated Steelers. But, I mean, he starts off the game with a pick six. That's how the game starts off in terms of scoring. Um, and I mean, you look at the, you look at the pass, it was like a, it was like a five to six yard pass. It literally was like almost right in front of him. I'm like, you know, like the dude's right next to your receiver and he's like five yards away from you. Like, I, I don't understand how Lamar couldn't see that. Like I, not to throw that pass. I mean, I guess the NFL, everybody's fast, everybody's quick and things like that. But I'm like, literally he's five yard. It's a five yard pass. It's a, it's like, it's like, it's like when you throw to the running back or the tight end, as soon as they make like a little tiny curl or, or, um, you know, a five yard in, or the halfback comes out after, um, after trying to help block and he just releases so that he can, um, be out in the open and, and maybe gain a couple yards. And I'm like, I mean, I don't know what was he thinking? And this is what I predicted. Like I said, I was, I didn't like being right, but it's just something like Lamar hasn't, he hasn't grasped things in, in the big games, you know, in, in, in the, 
against really tough opponents, tough defenses. Um, and he's just making, I don't even want to say silly mistakes. It's just bad. It's just bad. And um, that's how the game gets started. And, you know, 7 nothing and uh, Steelers. And um, the thing is, they, they remain competitive. Um, they remain competitive in the in the game. Um, especially because of primarily, I mean, if you're talking about the Ravens offense, especially because of Dobbins, their rookie running back that they got, he was keeping them in the game. He was keeping them in the game. He might not have had, um, you know, the scores, um, but all this stuff that he was running hard, he was keeping them in the game, literally. And, um, you know, this is a competitive game for the most part. If you think about it, 28-24 is a competitive game. But later on, Lamar throws another pick that was just, that was just it was just bad. It wasn't, it didn't even looked like anybody, uh, you know, it even looked like the receiver was open and he just throws a bad interception. Um, and, and I don't know if it's, you know, seems like if he's trying to do too, you know, media heads are saying he's trying to do too much. He's trying to make every play spectacular and all that stuff. I don't know if I see that, but I, I do see, um, a guy that once he gets, um, once he gets, you know, up against, uh, really good defenses, and formidable teams that, you know, are good on offense and defense, then it seems like he starts to play about average. He's not playing to the caliber that you would think, you know, you know, uh, a team like the Ravens, who were the number one seed in the AFC last year, would be playing. Um, and like I said, it's the big games. It's, the, you know, the Titans last year in the playoffs. It's, you know, the Chiefs the last two years in the regular season and now it's the Steelers the undefeated Steelers who come in and you know are playing tough and like I said I mean you know Steelers looked all right on offense but they didn't they weren't anything spectacular at all you know the Steelers are just the Steelers um you know they're 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 I mean I love Claypool he is he is awesome. I love Claypool. Um, so Claypool was actually really. You know, it seems like the number two receiver in the seat. Like I said before, the number two Steelers in the receivers. The number two Steelers in the receivers. I know that makes a lot of sense. All right. College education hard at work. But anyway, the number two receiver in the Steelers always seems to shine a lot more uh, than the number one receiver. So Claypool was just, you know, he was making highlights all over the place in terms of just making plays and things like that. Yeah, Juju was there. He made plays and things like that. But it just seems like, like I said, the number two receiver, it's something about it. Something about the next up and coming, the emerging receiver um, for the Steelers. And um, he was he was playing like, man, I enjoyed watching him play. Um And, uh, you know, yeah, the, the the Ravens D is not what it used to be. I get that part. But like I said, if the final score is 28-24, just do the math. If you just take away the pick six that Lamar threw, then the Ravens win the football game. So, um, you know, that shows you that the Steelers didn't do that much on offense. And that, you know, if if Lamar had, you know, his stuff together in terms of not making these really bad mistakes, then uh, they would have been able to win this football game against a very tough team. Um, and I just, like I said, I, I really don't count anything else as a major factor other than, like I said, Lamar shot him in the foot, uh, shot his own team in the foot, 
uh, Dobbins was keeping them in the game as far as the offense that he produced, just running hard and and, and uh, getting first downs, things like that. Um, and like I said, I like Claypool. Um, I just enjoy watching him, but you know, wouldn't like him or Ben uh, Ben Roethlisberger did anything spectacular. Juju, uh, James Conner in their running game. Um, yeah, it was really all about Lamar, and he pretty much lost the game for him, and that's unfortunate. But Steelers get the win, remain unbeaten, seven and zero, and atop uh, the AFC North. Now we get to a game where I was like, yeah, okay, I, you know. Yeah. yeah, well, uh, no, yeah, well, no, yeah, no, what, yeah, but no, but yeah, yeah, but no, but yeah, yeah, but what? The Rams at the Dolphins, okay, now, shouldn't be surprised, because even the Rams were like this ever since, I would say, the year that they went to the Super Bowl, so that would include last year, they're just, they're hot, cold they're hot cold hot cold hot cold as a whole they're inconsistent so you know yeah far be it from them to put together a winning streak especially against going especially when they're going up against a rookie quarterback a first in his first game even though it's out of a bye how do the rams lose to the dolphins now look i like the dolphins and they were doing well. They were fighting hard, especially against um, under Fitzpatrick. And I get that, you know, they were three and three going into the bye week. They were going to start to it seems like it was a planned thing. And it's not to say that Tua, I was just totally assuming that Tua was going to play bad and things like that. But it's like, how do you it just they just it seemed like the Rams just dropped the ball. They must have assumed that because Tua is a rookie and because it's going to be his first game, that they were just going to roll in here and coast uh, into Miami. What they did not realize is they, it wasn't just about Tua because Tua is not the only um, player on the Miami Dolphins. Now, if they would have taken advantage of him more so than uh, more so than they did more than they did, I think it would have pre- helped them prevail. Um, but again, there were just so many other things that the Rams just did not come ready to play for. And that number one, I would say was the Dolphins defense. The Dolphins defense played amazing. They played lights out. They were feisty. They were, and I always said that I like this team in terms of how they fight and they're scrappy. And I like Brian, Brian Flores as a coach. Um, and, uh, he he they really came to play. I mean, it was one play where uh it seems like the Rams are threatening, they're about to score and uh somebody just doesn't check this D lineman who comes in or comes in unblocked and totally just almost clotheslines <laughs> a Jared Goff, forces a fumble and then the Dolphins run back a fumble recovery by like 85 yards for a touchdown. And I'm like, what? Like, nobody picked this guy up. Nobody on the Rams offense. Like, nobody picked this guy up and just totally, like I said, almost looked like a clothesline tackle, um, forcing a fumble on Jared Goff. It was funny and, and, so, so, and shocking at the same time. Man. And then, and then the Dolphins score on special teams. So I always say if, if you uh, allow a team, if a team scores in all three facets of the game, if they score on you on offense, 
on defense and on special teams, you're not winning the football game against them. You're not beating them. You're just not. They got the fumble recovery, return for a touchdown. Then uh, later on, the Dolphins return a kickoff um, all the way for a touchdown. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, I I didn't think the Rams were going to drop this one like that. So it really didn't matter what they did against Tua because they couldn't stop the Rams. I mean, they couldn't stop the Dolphins any other way. So, I mean, and, and and it wasn't just that fumble recovery. The defense was playing lights out. The defense was playing great the entire game. There were other... Uh, times that they made really good plays they just you know other interceptions it was more than one in um, more than one turnover rather um the Jared Goff threw interceptions they pressured Jared Goff um there was almost no uh running game of the Rams that was existent there and then uh the Dolphins themselves like I said they they were gritty they they did just enough on offense to against his first touchdown pass um to Devontae Adams of course that would be his um uh, not Devontae, Devontae Parker. I knew I was going to get it wrong. <laughs> I was setting up for it, and I it was like, no, 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 it's not that one. It's the other guy. It's the other guy. <laughs> it's Devontae Parker. Gets his first touchdown pass to Devontae Parker, not Devontae Adams. And um, But other than that, it wasn't like Tua really did that much, but this was the, this was the best team effort win that I have seen from the Dolphins that I have seen from any team beating a team that was technically better than them. Um, I hadn't seen it a, a game like this in a long time um, where every, like, a team that is technically not as good as their opponents, they come up and they win, and they win in impressive fashion, and it's by everybody. Like, that was a, the, the definition of a team effort win was the Dolphins beating the Rams 28-17. to uh, so Tua gets his first win. Like I said, to me, he didn't really do much, but he didn't have to because everybody else was all in um, along with him. And like I said, if you if a team scores against you on offense and defense and special teams, you're not beating them. So Dolphins get the win over the uh, upside down Rams, inconsistent Rams. Uh, next we have, um, of course, this one was easy. I didn't. It was. There, I, I probably would have been like, okay, you know what, I'm just done. I'm done with 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 sports. I'm done with. <laughs> I'm done with uh, trying to cover football in the NFL. If the Jets would have somehow beat the Chiefs, but of course they didn't. The Chiefs just annihilate the the Jets. Um, this is like a bye week for the Chiefs. This is like a practice game for the Chiefs. They were just trying out all kinds of trick plays and stuff. Like, uh, uh, let's try this out. You know, it's like a practice game. Because they know even if they messed up, even if they fumbled or even if they just, you know, coughed up the ball or, 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 or messed up on these trick plays, they could just get right back into their regular offense and they'd still beat the Jets. <laughs> and they knew that. So they were like, oh, let's try a fake punt. Let's try this trick play. Let's try this trick play. Let's try this. Let's try this. They were just trying stuff out. This isn't practice. This is the actual game that counts. And they're just trying stuff out like they're at practice. Just, uh, you know, let's just try all this stuff. Let's have some fun. <laughs> this is how easy it was. It's, it's so laughable. Man, 
they, 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 they weren't even serious half the time, and they were just killing the Jets. That's how bad it was. But yeah, Chiefs get the win, thirty-five to nine. Uh, not a not much else to talk about. But then here we go with another upset, and I'm like, the five and one Packers at home hosting the one and five Vikings. How in the world do you allow this to happen? Look, I never doubted Dalvin Cook. I did doubt Kirk Cousins though. And to me, it wasn't like he necessarily played all that well. But, hey, Dalvin Cook was beasting in this game. And, I just, you know, I would have never thought that that would have been enough, though, to beat the Packers. And um, the the Vikings just come in and beat the Packers. They jump on them early, and then they come in and beat them. Um, yeah, I just I don't know what it was with, with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I don't, I don't get it. And I mean, yeah, okay, the, the Vikings defense, they, they decided to step up this game. But even with them stepping up, that still shouldn't have been enough to keep Aaron Rodgers and the Packers down. Um, and it seemed like once, you know, the Packers were down, you know, by more than one score, it just seemed like, okay, we're trying to get back. And it's just Aaron Rodgers passing the ball and, you know, you know ditch the running game. But that normally is the magic of Aaron Rodgers. That's the magic of the Packers offense. They can still do that if they needed to, but the even just the fact that they were down in this game. I'm not talking about early on, you know, Vikings, you know, being up early, but but it just I was like, wow, and just Dalvin like Dalvin Cook, like the Packers have the same problem that the Seahawks do. Like literally it's all about their offense and their defense gets swept under the rug because the offense is so good. Because the offense is so good and wins these football games and you're 5-1 and one and the offense is doing what they're doing, the defense, the fact that they give up a lot of yards and give up a lot of points, it just gets swept under the rug. And then all of a sudden it shows, it rears its ugly head when this opposing team gets out in front of you and they don't let up. And... That was what happened. I mean, like I said, Dalvin Cook was like, I, I, I'm, it's bittersweet with me and Dalvin Cook just being impressed by him, but at the same time being annoyed by him. Why? Because a couple years ago when I had him in fantasy and we were supposed to do great things together, he got injured. First game of the season. And it was just like, why? Why when you? I need you to help me? <laughs> not there. <laughs> You're not there. <laughs> And I was like, it just, it just, it seemed like he was just injury prone, injury prone, injury prone. Coming out of college, just injury prone. Uh, is he gonna be healthy? You know, he he he's healthy. He looks great. Then he doesn't finish the season. Then this season, that particular season, he he gets hurt the first game, and and it's just horrible. Like, uh, then he comes back. Now he's back. You know, he's stable. Seems like, and he's just running amok. You know, and. <laughs> Like I said, that to me still should not have been enough to beat the Packers. But the Packers came, I mean, to the the Vikings came to play on defense, even though I still think that Aaron Rodgers should have been able to overcome that. And that was it. Running game and defense won the game for the Vikings. So Kirk Cousins gets a gets a pass this week just because, you know, whatever little good that he did, uh, you know, or bad that he did. Uh, good or bad, really didn't matter because running game and defense seemed to win the football game for the Vikings on the road against the 5-1 Packers. So the Vikings get the win 28-22. to 
Packer trying to come back late. Um, but you know, that was that was it was too little too late, of course. Uh so yeah, Vikings get the win twenty eight to twenty two. Wow. Just wow. Um, next we have Colts at Lions. I picked the uh the Lions to win this one. Um, not surprised that they lost, but by as much as they lost, forty one to twenty one against the Colts, that was that was surprising. Um Colts get it done mainly, like I said, running game and defense is their specialty. That's their main thing. Phillip Rivers, a little a nice pass here and there. Not really all that great, um, especially if you consider the fact that, um, you know, who he was passing to, it was just little dink and dunk passes uh, to the running back. Hines, the running back Hines, had a spectacular game. Phillip Rivers does get one pass out to him um, on, on, on the fade. Uh, for about like I think about like a twenty yard pass, uh, so that was one good one that Philip Rivers did. Uh, but obviously it was a mismatch that they exploited because Hines was um, uh, and the linebackers coming out to try to guard him, and it wasn't. It was a real. It was really close on the line, uh, in terms of the line of the the end zone and being out of bounds. But Hines comes down with it inbounds and gets the touchdown, um, and then. Uh, Another one, he just, you know, Philip Rivers just throws, you know, right next to him, like throw to the side, to the right of him, and then Hines runs it in. So, um, but really just the running back, the running back core, if you will, uh, the running backs were the name of the game in this one offensively. And then defensively, it just seemed like they were able to to disrupt Matt Stafford. And once Matt Stafford starts throwing picks, you know, it's 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 pretty much a done deal there. Uh, because then he'll start to come back late in the fourth, but then it's like it's too little too late because you didn't throw picks already and you've messed up the game for your team because you're not able to not turn the ball over. <laughs> you have to be able to do that, Matt Stafford. Um, you know, as, as many years as you've been in the game, as many years as you've been in the league, you should be able to do that, especially when you know that your team is struggling and is fighting and is locked in a fight where they – can't make mistakes if they want to win a football game. Now, you say that's for every football game, but of course, this particular game with a strong team, a team with a strong running game and defense, you cannot do that. And he did that, and it just seems like it just seems like he was just he was just off. He was just off and then when like he likes to make his miraculous fourth quarter comebacks and start airing the ball out, start gunslinging, it's not going to work. It's just not enough. And so Colts get this win, forty-one to twenty-one. Impressive, like I said, running backs and the defense of the Colts. Um, they really dominate in this game. So forty-one twenty-one Colts over the Lions. Um, next, we're gonna go to Raiders at Browns. Now, I was surprised about this one because, you know, I know I I believe in my team, but a lot of times they they just ugh, you know I, I'm not surprised about what my team does, but very 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 impressive in poor weather conditions, albeit um, seems like the Raiders the Raiders have always been notorious for doing this. Like they'll go into Denver when it's snowing and beat the Broncos. They've done that before. Um, and uh, you would think, okay, well, they're a warm-weather team. It's going to be rough for them. No, the Raiders get it in in cold games. Um, and then this one, they do the same, winning the game 16-6. to Now, you know, 
the Browns um, were scoring uh, at least 30 to 35 points in every game, minus their two division rivals that they lost bad to in the Ravens and the Steelers. But other than that, they were beating everybody or at least scoring um, 30 to 35 points against every other team. And then they met the Raiders. That Now, here's the thing. like I, well, I know uh, the defense of the Raiders. And it seems like they're improving like by leaps and bounds, literally, because um, they wouldn't normally, even in a bad weather game like this, they wouldn't have been able to uh, hold the Browns to just six points. Now, there was a lot in this game in terms of plays being called back. There was a first a touchdown that should have been a touchdown that Ruggs got, but then they said his foot was out of bounds. I don't believe it was. So that touchdown got called back. Then there was a catch that Jarvis Landry caught um, that they initially called a touchdown. Then that got called back. Then there was another one uh, where Hunter Renfro uh, scores a touchdown um, by pass from Derek Carr, and there was controversy over that, whether it was a touchdown or not, but they give that one to the Raiders. And, um, yeah, you know, just back and forth, you know, in a bad weather, bad weather football game, there was rain and there was, looked like there was sleet at one time. The wind was blowing crazy. Um, Carlson missed a field goal. Um, the Browns kicker missed a field goal late. Um, when the Browns are trying to come back and they were down by, you know, they're down by 10, 16, six, and they try to come back and they're like, okay, well, we can't get the touchdown, but we do need a field goal because we're down by 10. So let's kick this field goal. And literally, if you kick the ball to the right, the, the ball was blowing to the left, like all the way across the goalpost. Like it was, it was that strong and crazy. And um, like I said, the Raiders get the win. Derek Carr, like I said, I can't stand him one week. And then another week, he's competent. This week, he was at least competent. There was one where he, uh, one play where he uh, um, ran a bootleg. I was shocked. <laughs> he ran a bootleg and uh, off a off a um, run play, a run pass option. And um, yeah, it was totally faked out because, you know, Josh Jacobs, this is the strength of that running game of that of the offense. And why not think that uh, Josh Jacobs was going to get the handoff? And Derek Carr keeps it. He fumbles at the end of the. Uh, he fumbles at the end. Or no, it was Devontae Booker. Yeah, he fumbles at the end of the play. Um, and then Devontae Booker was the one who fell on the football, uh, ensuring uh, that they would be able to continue the drive at the, like the five yard line. Um, but other than that. Um, you know, Derek Carr played, he played all right. He played well. He played well. I'll give him that. Um, but, yeah, just a, a just a solid performance by the defense uh, playing on Baker Mayfield and um, just understanding what the Browns' offense is about. And they're clearly not the same without Nick Chubb. Um, it seems like they were playing better without Odell Beckham. Not nothing against Odell, but as far as fitting in the offense, I just don't think that he does. And there's already these reports that he's probably played his last game in Cleveland. Not surprising. Um, But other than that, it just seemed like the Browns just got, they got surprised. I didn't think they thought that they were going to have this tough a time against the Raiders. So they figured, oh, you know, we're not facing the Steelers or the Ravens, so we should be able to score, you know, 
at will. And that wasn't the case. Like, like I said, Jonathan Abram, the safety for the Raiders, is an impact player. He is so probably still, to me, underrated um, as far as in the league and what he can do and, and the difference that he makes for that defense who still has a lot of flaws, but they're improving so well. They're doing so well. And if they can just keep going up, they can just keep going up. They're going to do a lot of good for this football team because, you know, bad weather, things like that. But Derek Carr still, and like I said, he did good. There were times where he missed clearly open players. There was time, like I said, I talk about this is why you get Henry Ruggs so he can go deep. Henry Ruggs was open deep and Derek Carr can't hit him. Derek Carr overthrows him. Instead of throwing a frozen rope, he tries to sail it. I think personally that Derek Carr has a problem throwing the deep ball now. He cannot throw the deep ball like he used to because he is sailing the ball like every time, almost like the way Rich Gannon used to do it, where he had to almost underhandedly like throw it underhand and sail it up in the air instead of throwing over his head or throwing uh, you know, like a normal pass. He can't do that. Something's wrong and he's hiding it as best he can, but he can't really throw the ball deep and I can see it and it's affecting, you know, his confidence because when he can't hit rugs deep, he can't throw the ball deep like he should. It's showing like, how do you miss that guy? And even the commentators are like, how do you miss that guy? Even with the bad weather, the way he threw it, it's like, you you're you're seeing that you have an open man but you can't hit him at all like you're not even close like even with bad weather you still should have been closer than what what it was um but like i said hey raiders get the win defense came to play they shut down the browns offense and they win 16 to 6 a couple of field goals the pass to short pass to hunter renfro strong running game and the Raiders get the job done on the road. We're going to cut it off right there and take a break. We are going to get right back to it with some more surprising upsets in this week eight of the NFL. Again, this is Scout Team Sports. I am DeValiant. I'll see you in a minute. Scout Team Sports, and we are back on a Tuesday uh recapping this weekend of the NFL week 8 and we get right back into it with uh Bills over uh the Patriots in this one um predicted this one right I was just like you know there is no reason like I said why the Bills should not win the AFC East this year they are the best team um I wouldn't mind a, a good scrap and a fight with them against the Dolphins late in the season for the division title because um, that seems like that could be really exciting. And the most exciting part about that is the Patriots are not going to the playoffs. Or at least I'm thinking they're not going to the playoffs this year, even with the seventh seed. Um, it just seems like they, it's, it's Cam in the defense versus every other team. They you know uh, didn't even have Edelman this time, and he still was able to wield the team to 21 points. And uh, it's just, but it's just not going to be enough. And then when the defense itself is not able to play at the caliber that it normally would be, had it, if it had all its pieces, and it's like, you know, they say, oh, Belichick can get the defense to play, even though he doesn't have his best players, he doesn't have Hightower, um, you know, um, McCourty's there, but then I'm not sure, Gilmore, I don't, I don't think I saw Gilmore at this game. 
Um, but, oh, he can still do it with anything, and he can will the team to win. Um, you know, the, 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 the fact that the Patriots have two wins right now is astonishing, um, as bad as they're playing. Um, but, you know, the teams that they beat, you know, were having bad weeks, I guess, or whatever the case may be. I know they beat the Raiders, and then they beat the Dolphins. So it's it's like, yeah, you know, you know, I think the Dolphins are going to have something different to say the next time they face them. I think it'll be a different different ball game. But other than that, it just they don't have an offense. They just don't. And I've always said is defense does not win championships. Balance does. And even if that balance comes late in the season or whenever that balance does come for either side of the football on your team, you've got to have balance at some point in order to progress and to improve and to win, and especially to win a championship. And the Patriots just are not going to be capable of doing that anytime soon, at least during this season, because Cam is just out there trying to do everything. And, uh, you know, I think there's a reason why they only signed him to a one-year deal. They wanted to see how the foot was health-wise, but also they didn't really put faith in this season. I think that the Patriots were throwing this season away before it even started. Um, No Tom Brady. They don't have an offense. Even if they did get in a good quarterback or they believed in Jared Stidham, um, it wasn't going to do much because they don't have weapons around him. They don't. They don't have a, a decent. I mean, they had a running back Harris, who you know he had a couple of sparks, a few sparks in the game running the football. But that's not a game changer. And they don't have any receivers that are game changers or a tight end or anything like that. And then the defense is depleted, not at full strength. So you know what? What do you expect? Um, I expected the Bills to actually score more points in this game. I was surprised that they were not able to put this game away uh, late um, and just winning by a field goal, 24-21. It's like, yeah, I get sometimes certain teams rise up against you, but this isn't one of those teams that I would think would rise up against you. Cam hasn't even been there consistently every week, so it's like ever since he came back from being shut down um, due to you-know-what, um... It was, it's not been, it's not been good for him. It just hasn't been. He just hasn't looked the same at all since he's been back. And uh, I don't know, you know, you know, again, he seems, you know, he seems like he's healthy because he's able to be back. But I don't know if it did something to him mentally, to his psyche or something like that. And uh, I don't know. You never know what's going on with people, so. Um, I hope the best for Cam, but I hope he's not with this team next year. I hope he's with another team. <laughs> I really do, you know, because honestly, I, you know, with the Patriots, I, you know, they had their time. They had their time. And I really would not care if they didn't have their time anymore. <laughs> I mean, it should be a bit about the Bills and the Dolphins in the division right now. That's who it should be about. Uh, those are the two strongest teams. And, um, yeah. You know, you know the the Patriots are at least they're better than the Jets. They're not as bad as the Jets are, but I'm 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 excited to see the division. Who's gonna win a division in the AFC East now? Who's gonna win between the Bills and the Dolphins? Because the Dolphins are not out of this, but I expect the Bills to win. But um, who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen? Uh, next we go on to the Chargers at the Broncos. I figured that the Chargers would win this game because it seemed like. To me, that they, they were the better team, and 
technically, I guess I was right, but, you know, the best team doesn't always win is what they say, and that's wonderful, I guess, but at the same time, no, because the Chargers were up in this game, and in the third quarter, they were up 24 to 3. How in the world do you give up a 24 to 3 lead at any point in the football game. I don't care if they were up 24-3 in the first quarter. You don't give up that lead if you're an NFL football team. They gave up a 24-3 lead in the third quarter and allowed the Broncos to come all the way back and beat them by one point. One point. At the end, the touchdown scored. And then they, you know, they want to start getting in fights and they want to get feisty in because they're frustrated. I get it. You know, I get it. But at the same time, you had a 24 to 3 lead against a struggling offense led by Drew Locke. And you couldn't lock that down. Like, seriously, you, you couldn't you couldn't score anymore on offense to continue to push the lead. And push it, you know, push it forward. And all accounts, again, this is weird. It's hard. It's weird saying this. But again, this one really was not Justin Herbert's fault. He played his butt off, especially for a rookie. I expected to make mistakes. But other than that, he played really well. It's this Chargers defense that is a surprise shocker this season. Um, One of the surprise shockers this season in the league. Because I was thinking if anything was going to keep the Chargers playing well or playing hard, it would be their defense keeping them in football games. It's Justin Herbert, the rookie quarterback, keeping them in football games. He's the one that's allowing them to get leads or at least to come back if, if need be. And the Chargers defense is just dropping the ball like crazy. Like this isn't even this is this this is unbelievable. It really is. Cause the to me the Broncos are not that good. I mean, Drew Locke came back, you know, they did what they they did what they did. They played hard. And they came back. They didn't give up. Great, wonderful. But you're not supposed to in the NFL. You're if you're down twenty four to three, you're technically you're not supposed to come back. Like you're not, you're not, you're not Pat Mahomes, you know. You're not Ben Roethlisberger. You're not Drew Brees or, or Tom Brady in his prime, or any of these other quarterbacks that are known for this type of thing. And even if they were down, you never, you always believe that they're never out of it. And and the Broncos are not one of those teams. They're not one of those teams that you believe, even though they're down, they're never out of it. That they, they're down, they're not there. This is just because of who they were facing. And like I said, Chargers, wow, you give up a twenty-four to three lead in the third quarter, and you know they're playing well all throughout the first half, dominating, and then all of a sudden, second half, it seemed like they just came out flat, and they just either didn't want to play, or they just figured the Broncos are going to roll over, maybe they'll score a touchdown, but then they'll settle down. <laughs> are you kidding me? The Chargers lost this game, their defense blew this game, Justin Herbert, again, is not to blame, played well, especially for a rookie, and the Chargers defense loses a game at the end, um, 31 to 30. Even with the controversy, it was like, you know, penalty, you know, by the Chargers because they were frustrated on the extra point. No. Yeah, you you lost that game. Don't, you know, be upset about the, the pass interference late in the game uh, at the end of the end zone. 
look, the dude had his back turned. You cannot try to play that close in the end zone with your back turned, almost almost pushing uh, the, the receiver out of the end zone and think that you're not going to get called. Like, that's just not what, that's just not smart. It's not smart. Whoever told him to play defense like that in the red zone is not smart. And him playing defense like that in the end zone is not smart. Okay? Yeah, you're going to get called and the Broncos get the, the football at the one-yard line. And yeah, the rest is history. That's your fault. <laughs> that's not on the refs. So, yeah, Chargers defense lost his game. Defensive coordinator, I don't know, maybe keeps his job, maybe he doesn't. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Chargers lose. And Broncos win. Broncos are at 3-4. and four. Chargers are at 2-5 and five at the bottom of the division. Next, we have Niners at Seahawks. Uh, pretty much predicted this one right. Uh, Seahawks get the win 37-27. They're just a better team, even though the Seahawks defense gives up a lot. Um, the Niners are just, they're fragile right now. They lose Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle uh, in the fourth quarter. And, you know, yeah, they're just, they're depleted right now. It's just not going to work in terms of the offense. Um, Nick Mullins, I would say, just needs, I, I don't care if, if Jimmy Garoppolo can somehow come back later on in this season. He shouldn't or at least Shanahan should not allow him to. Let Nick Mullins play. When Nick Mullins came in, he had a fire about him that was like, look, I'm going to lead this team back to victory. <laughs> you know, and I appreciated that attitude, even though I didn't think it was going to happen, and it did not. But Nick Mullins is, is, is he, he, to me, it just seems like he's, a, he's, he's the, the more of the leader that the Niners need right now, even if he doesn't have the talent level. He's more than a leader that they need right now. But I get it. Garoppolo's getting paid the money. So anytime Garoppolo's healthy, he's going to start. If he's a better quarterback overall and all that stuff, great, wonderful. But he can't stay healthy. So, I mean, I, I would think you might as well just shut him down for the season. And you say, oh, it's only halfway through the season. They still make a playoff run. Look at the division you're in. The Rams, even though they're shaky and inconsistent, the Rams are technically better than you. The Cardinals are better than you. The Seahawks are better than you. I mean, I mean, if you want to fight for that seventh playoff spot, I, mean, I guess <laughs> you know, a new seventh, a new seventh playoff spot. If you want to fight for that, fine. But I mean, it's not it's not going up for the Niners, especially if they'd want to try to insert Garoppolo again back into this season it's just not a smart idea he doesn't have it mentally in my opinion and he definitely doesn't have it physically so I would just start Nick Mullins and just take it from there maybe they do make the seventh playoff spot but in a division that they're in they're not going up they're not winning a division they're not even getting second place in the division um, so the best they can hope for is third place and maybe that seventh playoff spot but especially if they continue with Garoppolo, I don't care how good Garoppolo can get or improve back this season. It's just, to me, it's just not a good idea. Mentally, he's I don't see him there. When I see him play football, I don't see him there mentally. I just don't. And like I said, Nick Mullins, I think, is a better, you know, he's a better leader for this football team, for this offense at least right now. So I would just start Nick Mullins for the rest of the season. I honestly would. 
Garoppolo coming back a third time in the season, and no, no, he's too fragile. Y'all need to y'all need to put him in bubble wrap before you put him back on the field. It's like that. It's literally like that. <laughs> so Seahawks get the win, thirty-seven twenty-seven, playing better all facets of the game. DK Metcalf is an unbelievable beast. I know Tyler Lockett is technically the number one, but doggone it. I might as well. I'm I'm confident in saying the Seahawks have two number one wide receivers now. DK Metcalf is unbelievable. That dude, that dude can go. That dude is a beast. Plays hard. Just makes unbelievable catches. He just extends plays. Play where you know he would caught the ball and think that you know he's running out of bounds and he he runs. He's like just just. Just man, just just runs up the sideline like, and it's almost like everybody else is like, he's out of bounds, right? He's out of bounds. He's still running. He's still running. What? What? Who? What? <laughs> that had to be what the Niners' defense was thinking. Like, oh, he's out of bounds. He's at, he's he's running. He's still running. He's still running. <laughs> that dude, he he's he man, he's a number one. He is a number one. Even if he isn't their number one, he is a number one wide receiver. He is that good. He is that much of a of a game changer, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, Seahawks get the win, stay atop the a uh, NFC West for now. Uh, as we know that the Cardinals are have given them their only loss, and it will be exciting to see how the rest of this. Uh, season plays out for these two, who I think that's whom the division will come down to. Division title will be a, amongst the Seahawks and the Cardinals. They look the most stable. They look the most consistent. So I'm going with who you know. I'm going with those two as being the determining factors of the NFC West. Next, we have Saints at Bears. Um, I think I predict. Yeah, I predicted this one right. Um, just because you know the Bears have a tough time on offense is and it's tough because they were, I think this is I think no, I think this is three straight. No, at least at least two straight. Maybe not three, but at least two straight losses, um, for the Bears here. And uh, you know, I didn't think Tariq Cohen was that great of a running back, but not having him shows they are in a big hole. Like they haven't replaced him yet. Uh, formidably, and um, it's just hard. Like, Nick Foles is taking a beating in this game. I saw a lot of the hits that he was taking in the pocket, whether it was a sack or even after he threw the football. Nick Foles is taking a beating in this game from that Saints defense, and, and man, he was getting hit a lot. I was surprised the refs didn't call more flags to protect him, more penalties. Um, he was really getting beat up in this game. Drew Brees made a uh, made a mistake here and there, but you know it was it was just enough. The Saints did just enough. Got a couple of stops on defense, a couple of uh, turnover on defense um, against Nick Foles, and you know that was that was that was enough. That was all she wrote for the Bears, because like I said, they just don't have it together on offense. Um, it's hard for me to blame Nick Foles. It just seems like they they're almost like the Cam Newton and the Patriots almost. Like I, I mean, he has Allen Robinson. He gets it to Robinson, but other than that, what does he have consistently that he can rely on that you're confident in? I mean, I didn't, I didn't even see Jimmy Graham anywhere in this game. Was he even playing? Um, but yeah, it just seems like Nick Foles is having a rough time. 
but that Bears defense keeps them in football games. But hey, you know, sometimes they're going to get blown out and sometimes they're going to lose close just because they don't have enough of a balance, which is what you need to win football games. And the Saints just had a little bit more this game. And that's why, I mean, they, they get to win. The main reason was Kamara. Kamara was all over the place. And so um, if you don't shut him down, I mean, we'll shut him down. If you don't at least slow him down, it's going to be hard to win football games against the Saints. So Saints get the win in overtime, be it um, against the Bears. Like I said, they just had just a little bit more in the tank, and that was what they needed. And they get the win 26 to 23. Uh, next, we have uh, your Sunday night football matchup, Cowboys at Eagles. Uh, Danucci, starting for the Cowboys, of course, you weren't expecting much from him. And uh, man, this was a fumble fest. <laughs> this was a fumble fest. Now, you would think by what I just said that the fumble fest would mean, oh, it's the Cowboys. It's their poor offense. It's Danucci. He was one half, but to me, it was also the Eagles. Carson Wentz, and I don't, and that's exactly what I mean. I did not mess up when I just said what I just said. That's Carson Wentz to me. Carson Wentz is that, like, what what is he, like, this is your franchise quarterback. This is the guy who he played well for half a season he got injured, missed the rest of the season. Your team won the Super Bowl, and then you give him a fat contract extension. Really? Like, if if the Cowboys weren't so bad, the Cowboys would have probably won this game. And I know that sounds retarded, but, like, seriously, the, the Cowboys could have won this game. Like, because the Eagles were messing so up so much on offense, it seemed like they didn't even really come to play. Or it was like maybe they just thought the Cowboys would be so bad that they could just roll their helmets out on the field and they'd be they'd be good. Like the Cowboys many times could have won this football game, could have got on top and won this football game, but they were just so they were so bad, they were worse than the Eagles, and that's not saying much for the Eagles. So the Eagles get the win twenty three to nine, but on the account that Danucci couldn't keep hold of the football and every time they rushed him he fumbled the football uh i mean every time they got in contact with him every time they sacked him or tried to strip him they got it and they they forced the fumble and the cowboys just couldn't hold on to the football on the offensive side of the ball and the eagles just they got away with it they got away with how bad they were playing and uh you know, they're talking heads are even saying, you know, the Cowboys should still win this division if Andy Dalton comes back. And, I mean, they're right because the Eagles look porous at best. I'm like, they're making so many mistakes. It's like you're just, you, you're in the perfect division to be so bad because everybody else is worse than you are. And if you're bad and everybody else is worse than you are, then, yeah, I was slightly wrong when it came to the division titles, I figured the Cowboys would win this division by default because everybody was so bad. I was wrong. It's the Eagles that will win this division by default because everybody else is so bad. But they're bad, too. So it's not like a Patriots of old 
and 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 everybody else is bad and they're just running away with it because they're good and they're at least decent and everybody else is so bad. No, everybody in this division is bad. The Eagles just happen to be the one who are just a sliver less bad than the other three teams. And so they're probably going to win this division. But, hey, it's still anybody's division right now, so we never know. Hey, how about the Redskins? I'm going to go with the Redskins right now. Some way, somehow, the Redskins are going to come up. They're going to rise up in the second half of the season and win a division. How about that? Hot take. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm delirious right now with this division. Seriously. But we'll get on. We'll move on to our Monday night football game. That was the Buccaneers at the Giants. This one was surprisingly exciting late. Because, of course, the Buccaneers is a better team. They jumped out on the Giants. But then here come the Giants. And, um, you know, I was surprised that the Buccaneers' uh, defense allowed the Giants to come back in the game like this. I figured they would have shut them down, shut them out. But Daniel Jones is a fighter. I'll give him that. Daniel Jones is a fighter. If he actually had Saquon Barkley, this probably would have went the other way and they would have won the game. Um, but they come down to the very end. And they score a touchdown. And they have to get the two-point conversion in order to tie. And they don't get it. Yeah, it was one of those things where, it, I don't know, it seemed like it was a good pass. They were rolling out. I think it was like bootleg. He rolled out to the right. And, um, I don't know, it seemed like, it seemed like, maybe it's just the angle. It seemed like that was an open pass. It seemed like the ball should have got there to the receiver. And it should have been a, a two-point conversion. Um but it was not. Um, like I said, I think it was just a bad angle. I was like, I didn't think the defender was able to get to the ball that quickly from from that angle, from what it looked like. It seemed like he was open. Um, but, yeah, the Giants, you know, fall behind, fall behind early. And, um, and not surprising, the Bucks are a better team. Um, but then, like I said, I expected the Bucks to put this one away, and they did not. And the Giants came back in the Buccaneers' <clears throat> defense was on their heels. And that's surprising. That's surprising for the Bucks defense of all teams to put you on your heels, the Giants. So this almost could have been, uh, this would have completed the stun upset weekend that we had um, if the Giants were somehow able to come back. But the Giants fall to the Buccaneers. Uh, not sure what's up with this whole wearing whites at home now. I don't like it. I don't like it. I like colors at home. Where are your colors at home? But the Giants came out in all white and the Bucks had their home jerseys on. So I don't I don't know what the deal is. This is I don't know. I was used to just back in the day it was just the Cowboys and the Redskins. That was it. Now now you know even the Redskins wear their colors at home now and you know, the Cowboys still wear you know, they're whites on the home, whites at home, whites on the road. And the only time you saw the Cowboys in a home jersey was when they went to face the Redskins in Washington. <laughs> uh, but now it's like all these different teams, random teams want to wear whites at home and stuff. And uh, I think even Miami wore their whites at home again. I don't see what the deal is. It's not like it's hot. You know, the the, the notion was there there was hot weather. And so since the home team gets to decide what jerseys they want to wear, the uh, home team will wear the white jerseys in the hot weather. And then, you know, the road team will have to wear their home jerseys, the colors in the warm weather on the road 
which is supposed to make things more difficult for them. Eh, take it or leave it. But this was a Monday night football game, and it's in New York. It has to be cold, or New Jersey. It has to be cold. And I I don't get the whole wearing whites at home. I I don't like it. I, I, I just I hope that I hope that this 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 fad just just evaporates eventually. Wear your colors at home, please. It just if you wear whites at home and wear whites on the road, then when did anybody ever get to see your home? You know, especially as a fan, when does anybody get to see your home colored jerseys? What if they really want to see those? Eh. Sidebar. Doesn't matter, <laughs> really, in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, yeah, I just, man, if Saquon Barkley was there, we might be talking about a different outcome. But the Giants are now 1-7 for a reason. So it's not just that, you know, the defense was seemed like, you know, talking heads were saying, oh, the defense is playing hard. But yeah, but the defense, they're still the Giants. So, I mean, this is their, I think their third year in a row with a 1-7 start. So yeah, things have not been getting better, and it's still they're still rebuilding, if you would say, if you want to say. Um, I mean, I you can't expect them to build in a season like this where you got players opting out because of COVID, and then you have the rest of your team that's left that's not that good, and then you lose your best player early in the season. Yes, Saquon is their best player, not Daniel Jones, and. You know, it's just left to Daniel Jones in that offense, and all he has is Golden Tate, and that was that was that was his weapon um, for last night. But that was clearly not enough. Never would have thought that would have been enough, even though they almost came back and tied the game. Um, but yeah, so Buccaneers get a win, although it should have been a, a blowout for them, and uh, they escape with a win, and they improve to six and two, atop the. NFC South by just I guess you call that half a game because the Saints are five and two, the Bucks are six and two. So, you know, by the time they get their bye week, it might be tied up. It might be they might be even with the Saints. So we never know. But that will conclude our recap for week eight. And so we're gonna go on to the um Thursday night football game. Coming up Thursday night, and so we have, okay, so now it seems like they're trying to really make this into a rivalry, um, and I think that they're, they're forcing it too much. You're forcing it. <laughs> You're forcing it. Okay, yeah, these teams meet, and then, you know, they've had a little bit of history, and then, okay, so they meet. The next season, I get because they're in the same conference, but then you want to you deliberately put them on prime time, and it's the same exact scenario as last year. Packers at Niners. Stop. Let it let it happen organically. <laughs> let it. I I really I bet you that this game was probably going to be originally slated for just a regular Sunday game, and they decided to move it to Thursday night. That's my conspiracy theory. <laughs> But seriously, Packers at Niners again in San Francisco again. And we all know what happened last year. The Niners blew out the Packers. We thought the Packers were going to be really competitive. This was the number one and number two seeds, respectively, in the playoffs last year. And when they met in the regular season last year, the Packers got blown out by the Niners. 
in the regular season and then lost to them again in the NFC Championship. So, and yeah, they're trying to they're trying to make this a rivalry, and uh, uh, now you have Aaron Rodgers on the road after a bitter loss, a very bitter loss, going to face Nick Mullins. It's not what you thought it was going to be, is it? And you can't just blame this on COVID either. Um, you know, you thought you were going to have Aaron Rodgers versus Jimmy Garoppolo, and you don't. Now you got Aaron Rodgers versus Dick Mullins. I'm going to pick the Packers in this. Um, you know, at this point, I really don't care if I'm wrong, because uh, go figure the Packers. Go figure. You, you seem like a dominant team, seem like one of the best teams in the league, and then you're getting these losses that you should not be getting. Like, like the Packers should be undefeated. They should be. If you look at who they lost to, if you look at who they lost to, it's like, how do you lose to those teams and in a fashion that you lost to those teams? It just didn't seem like a, something that happens to a team that's undefeated. So go figure with that. You know, maybe Nick Mullins does, you know, put up a fight, but I, I just don't see them beating the Packers. And if they do, then, the, the, yeah, the Packers, you don't deserve anything. Don't go to the playoffs. Don't do that. Just, just stay home. Seriously. This is on the road. I know it's a short week, but you're a better football team. So I'm saying this for the sake of me being right on my predictions on my podcast. Better win this game. <laughs> I am not a Packers fan, but y'all better win this game because I said so. I'm trying to make a career here. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I'm going with the Packers over the Niners for this Thursday night football matchup. And that will conclude our recap and Thursday night football predictions for week eight. And it's again, that's Thursday night football predictions for week nine, actually. And but um, since uh, the next podcast will not be until Friday morning, that's when we will do the recap of Thursday night football. But once again, this is the value with Scout Team Sports. I appreciate all my subscribers who have been rocking with me. Appreciate that you enjoy this content and that you're listening. I see the numbers of who's listening and who's um, subscribing. I really do appreciate it. I don't deserve it, but I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, believe until you stop breathing. I say that for every single person listening. Believe until you stop breathing. And we'll see you on Friday. This is Scout Team Sports. Yeah.